0: Welcome to this mini episode of The Balance. I am Dr. Catlin Tucker, and I'm coming to you this week from Singapore, where I am working with three different groups of educators who are experimenting with blended learning. And tomorrow, the group that I'm working with has asked me to address an issue that they're facing, which is a lot of their teachers are using the flipped classroom. They've been experimenting with video instruction. Obviously, most of us have done that during COVID, but a lot of teachers have kind of stopped using the flipped classroom now that we're back in person with learners. Yet this group really wants to continue using it, but they're frustrated because they're having a substantial number of students who are coming to class unprepared. So they haven't watched the video, which obviously makes it very hard for us to use class time to build on that video instruction. So first, I. Want to just establish why would a teacher use the flipped classroom model lots of teachers are in in classrooms with students so they wonder why would i spend time making videos for students when we're going to be in a physical space together so i want to start by establishing the value of the flipped classroom in case you have not used this blended learning model maybe you've heard about it but you just haven't taken that leap to record video instruction The benefit of the flipped classroom is that it inverts the traditional approach to instruction and practice and application. So instead of spending our limited and precious class time with students at the front of the room, kind of transferring information live to the whole group in the form of a lecture or mini lesson, teachers using flipped classroom record video instruction that they would present to the entire class the same way. So anytime we're gonna say the same thing the same way for everyone, there is benefit in recording a video because when we give students a video to watch, particularly in their home environment, the idea is that they have control over the time, the place, and the pace of their learning. So they can pause a video, they can rewind it, they can watch it as many times as they need to, so they get that repeat exposure. There's also a lot of barriers that exist when we transfer information live in a classroom for the whole class, right? Some students have auditory processing disorders. Um, There might be attention deficit, a lack of background knowledge, or even vocabulary. And then you have kids who are daydreaming. They're having a bad day or they're absent and they're not even present for the instruction. All of those barriers can make it really challenging for students to acquire information when it's presented live in a classroom via a lecture or a mini lesson. So if we video some of that instruction, allow students to self-pace through it at home, the goal is then to use class time to allow students to practice and apply with peer, and teacher support. So in the past or classically, practice and application often follows students home in the form of homework. Yet when they're trying to take new information, new strategies and skills and apply them at home, they're unlikely to have the support they need if they get stuck or if they hit a bump, right? Parents might not be around to help them. They might not have the content area expertise, or they might not speak the language that homework is coming home in. So by sending so much of the practice, the practice and application home with students in the form of homework, we set up a lot of our really vulnerable students to fail in that, that traditional paradigm of instruction in the classroom, practice and application at home. However, if we're using the flipped classroom, it becomes really challenging and extremely frustrating when students come to class unprepared because they have not watched the video. And often when I work with teachers who are using this model, they say, you know, I had a lot of kids come to class, so I couldn't move on with the lesson I had actually planned. Instead, I had to dedicate class time to reteaching the content that was covered in the video. they're frustrated and so are their students who actually did the flipped instruction homework. So I often caution teachers do not repeat a lecture or mini lesson covering the information that was covered in the video. It's a little like a parent asking their child to clean their room before company is going to come over and if the child doesn't clean their room and the parent cleans the room for them. We're basically inadvertently sending this message that the child doesn't need to take responsibility for their chores because we'll just come in and we'll do it for them. In the same way, when a teacher reteaches what was in the video in class because some students aren't prepared, it sends a message that watching the video and coming prepared to class is optional because the teacher is going to provide that repeat instruction during the classroom anyway. So not only does it discourage students from taking that homework seriously and actually watching the video, but it also penalizes those students who come to class prepared because they have to sit through another explanation instead of getting to move forward because they completed the task they were assigned. So one of the things I want to just encourage teachers to do before we get into specific strategies is always start by explaining to your students very clearly, why are you using a new instructional model or or approach? Do students really understand the value of the flipped classroom and flipped instruction? I think it's really important whenever we try something like this that we clearly communicate to students and their families why we're using this model. What is the purpose and value? How is it gonna benefit students and make it easier for them to acquire new information when we use video? How will class time be used more effectively to ensure that all students are making progress toward understanding complex concepts, being able to apply specific skills? We wanna highlight how that class time is gonna be used to support learners and allow them to practice and apply with peers and teachers in the room. Without a clear understanding of the benefits, students may not truly understand why they're being asked to watch videos at home, and you might experience some pushback from parents and families. They might not understand why their kids are watching videos instead of sitting through a traditional lecture, which is probably what they were used to when they were in school. So we wanna try to get buy-in whenever we use a new instructional strategy so that hopefully students understand the purpose and value and more of them watch the video. All right, so once we've explained the why, then I do think there are some strategies that we can explore to encourage more of our students to watch flipped instruction. The first thing I always encourage my teachers to do is to pair videos with an engagement strategy. It's really important that students mentally engage with instruction presented in a video. We don't want them to kind of slip into that very passive, consumptive role. We want them thinking deeply about concepts, processes, phenomena, issues, skills presented in the video. And when we pair videos with an engagement Engagement strategy, we encourage this deeper thinking. And the engagement strategy can ask students to do everything from identifying key points, making connections between concepts in the video or connections between what the video is saying and other things they've learned, get them asking questions, making predictions, inferring meaning comparing, contrasting, or even classifying new information. So the goal is truly for them to contextualize this new information and begin to start to make sense of it before they come to class. And there are a bunch of different ways to engage students around video content. So we can ask them to do some concept mapping, to try to identify the main ideas and make some visual representations of how they're related to each other. We can pair the video with questions. So you can wrap the video in uh, an ed puzzle lesson and drop Questions into the video that prompt students to kind of pause and respond to the questions and the questions can yield some really valuable formative assessment data for us as well. Um, some teachers using a learning management system may be able to also pair the video with questions in their LMS. We can provide students with a guided note template or a graphic organizer. Again, the goal is to aid comprehension by helping students to take what they're learning in the video and organize it in a way that makes sense. For more visual kind of experiences, we can have students who are more artistic doing sketch notes, or we can invite students to storyboard. Can they create a visual representation of the key points and concepts in the video, and again, make some connections between them? I also really love asking students to record just a really quick 30-second synopsis or summary on the platform Flip, which is a video platform. So students literally record a 30 second explanation of the video's main points, putting it in their own words. And I'll often challenge students to articulate the main points as though they're explaining it to a younger audience, so younger students. It challenges them to simplify the language in a way that I think actually aids their own comprehension. As students watch the video, you could have them complete a three, two, one reflection where they're pulling out three things they're learning. It could be facts, details, information, two connections they made, and one question that they have. I also love pairing videos with an online discussion or debate prompt where students have to take what they learned in the video to answer questions related to the content, posting their thoughts, their opinions, their questions, and reflections. So regardless of the engagement strategy you use to get students thinking deeply about the video content, know that that engagement strategy or that that work that kids do as they watch the video, that is their Evidence of completion and basically their entrance ticket to the class. So without that actual engagement activity or the evidence that they engaged with the video, they do not enter the actual lesson. Instead, we are going to have a space set aside in the classroom so that those students who come to class without the entrance activity move to that particular location in the classroom, and their job before they enter the class is to watch the video and to complete one of these engagement activities that we've assigned with the video. And while they're doing it, the rest of the class is moving forward. We do not penalize the people who came to class prepared by asking everybody to sit through another repeat explanation of the video content. Another strategy is to use an entrance ticket to assess completion and comprehension of the video instruction. So if teachers are worried about whether students watched the video or understood the content presented in the video, they can begin class with a quick formative assessment strategy like an entrance ticket or a quiz. Teachers can use something like a Google Form set in quiz mode or even build a quick check for understanding in their learning management system. I encourage using a digital platform to assess student learning because it makes it possible to quickly identify which students completed the assignment and understood the information. And that data is surfaced really quickly when we use a digital platform. So it's important that teachers have a sense of who came prepared for the lesson, who's ready to move on to application and practice. So if they're not ready because they didn't watch the video, then again, we can send them to the designated location in the classroom where their first stop in the lesson is to watch that video and complete some kind of an an engagement activity. For those who watch the video, but they don't have a solid understanding of the content, then we can actually pull those students into small group differentiated instruction and work to provide more scaffolds, supports, to help them understand the information that was presented. Another strategy to consider is if this becomes an ongoing issue or challenge. You have a significant number of students who are not watching the video content. My concern is there might be some barriers in the home environment making it challenging for them to complete this activity. Maybe the internet connection isn't as strong as it needs to be. Maybe they're sharing devices with siblings or they don't really have a quiet space to watch the video at home. There's a lot of different factors that might be at play. And so another way to use flipped instruction is to actually weave it into your classroom, um, into the lesson itself. And so teachers can do this in a couple of different ways. So they could design a whole group rotation lesson where the whole group rotates between online and offline learning activities. So maybe they come to class and they do an access prior knowledge activity or they engage in a discussion about something they, they read and then they move into the online part of the lesson, which could be a flipped video. And some teachers will question, well, why would I do that, Catlin, when I'm in this physical space with my students? Because giving students control over the pace of that video is hugely beneficial. So if you're asking them to watch a six minute video, I would always encourage you to double the time, give them at least 12 minutes so that they can self-pace through the video, pausing, rewinding, catching up on their notes. And then that way, students will hopefully acquire that information more successfully. And while the majority of the class is self-pacing through that video, teachers can decide, do I have a group of students who are struggling, or maybe English isn't their first language and that's the the language that the video is in, maybe those students would do better in a small group differentiated instructional session with the teacher while the majority of the class is self-pacing through the video lesson. Its teacher has the time to really drill in and address the needs of that small group in an instructional session and that group will still have access to the video if they wanna watch it after that small group session with the teacher. Another way to pull video content into the classroom is for teachers using a station rotation model. A video lesson in the online station, again, can be a wonderful way to allow students to self-pace through a video, taking notes, creating a concept map, whatever the engagement strategy is in the classroom, as opposed to sending it home with students. So there's a couple of different ways to combat some of the challenges of the flipped classroom. But I think articulating why we're using this model, what is the benefit value for students and so that their families understand and hopefully support the use of video instruction. Two, always engaging students with the video, asking them to complete some kind of an engagement activity so we can make sure they did in fact watch the video. Starting class with a formative assessment strategy to understand Did they watch the video? And if so, how helpful was the video in getting them to understand key concepts or to understand particular strategies and skills? Having a designated location in the classroom so that if students come to class and they have not watched the video, that they can start the lesson in that designated space. Watching the video, engaging with the engagement activity, and the rest of the class can move forward. And that may mean that the students who are in that designated spot, catching up on the video, completing the lesson, they may not have as much time to practice and apply, but once they finish the video, they can transition to join the rest of the class and hopefully get some peer and teacher support. And hopefully that serves as an incentive that, hey, the next time I am assigned a video lesson, I should do it at home. That way I can transition right into joining the rest of the class in the practice and applications section of this lesson. So I can get through more of it in class and I can get the support that I need. So those are just some ideas for how to kind of address students coming unprepared if you assign that video for homework. And if you're still struggling because a lot of students aren't watching videos for homework and they're coming unprepared, maybe we think, about how do we pull flipped instruction into the classroom so that students still have control over the pace at which they move through the video and acquire information, um, but they don't have to do it in their home environment. And as students are self-pacing through the video, hopefully that means we as educators are freed to work with small groups and individual learners in class. Thank you guys so much for joining me for this mini episode. And if you are hitting any bumps, having any challenges with a blended learning model or strategy, and you'd love for me to address that on a mini episode in the future, please reach out to me on X, formerly known as Twitter at Catlin underscore Tucker, or you can find me on Instagram at Catlin Tucker, or you can visit my website and reach out to me there at catlintucker.com.